Okay, it's safe to say it's been a pretty hard year, and it's probably not going to get easier for a while. If there's one thing all of this has taught us, it's the importance of good comfort media. You know, those shows or movies that you can just tuck into and feel better for a little while. Oh yeah, totally. After a hard day, I just love to hunker down in my bed, cover myself in my blanket while I watch a couple hours of something. I really appreciate that consistency and familiarity you get from it, you know? It's truly an anchoring ritual onto itself. Absolutely. And with the winter coming up, we're going to be spending a lot of time inside and have a lot more despair we'll need to distract ourselves from. So, for this week's episode, we're going to gather the team one last time and get into the nitty-gritty of this special little genre. That's right. There's so much to talk about. Like, what makes comfort TV so comforting? To what they have in common and, like, why we decide to consume comfort media whenever we do. Man, I'm so excited. I don't even know where to begin. We gotta start this off with a game to break the ice. I- I'm Avin. I'm Sam. I'm Max Rosenzweig. I'm Max Schauble. And this is Arts Interrupted, the Michigan Daily's premier arts and culture podcast. To uh, kick things off a little bit, we're going to get really intimate. We're going to share some secrets. Um, I have a few. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) But this secret is, you know, sometimes you get in the mood with your, you know, significant other and you you just don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, something is on in the background that you, you, you didn't really anticipate to be there. Um, and therefore, you're left with a uh, memory that is both hilarious and embarrassing. I can, I can go first if Sam's just too deeply, deeply ashamed. I'm bashful. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> most uncomfortable or just worst thing I've hooked up to, it was... Uh, Paddington 2 is probably up there. It was at the end of a Paddington 1 and Paddington 2 double feature. Oh, Um, that's cute. Yeah, it was cute. But then it's just like, you know, things started to happen, um, which was like kind of a bummer because like I wanted to see how it ended. You know, like Hugh Grant plays the villain in that one. No, he doesn't. He really does. Nicole Kidman Uh, plays the villain in the first one. Oh, that's sexy. I recommend them. Um, so that was, you know, just doing anything like that to a kid's movie, it's just like, it feels, it feels wrong. It's a little grimy. Um, and then definitely like the worst, worst though was, um, Same Love by Malcolm Moore. It just came up on shuffle on someone's, um, Spotify and we were both just like, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So did you see this person again after? Yes. Why? That that's not a because I was right I was in too deep, man. It's same know. love. Come on, it's like it's nice yeah, like they were an ally. You know, I when I was in third that. grade, I thought that I was gay. <laughs> you were like, this is ally sex. This is peak. no, like literally, like I can. This is sex I can have in good <laughs> conscience. This is for the girls, gays, and theys. Right now, I am doing yes. this for them. <laughs> yeah, it might have even been June. You know, Pride Month vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can cut in and in a similar theme of Paddington. Um, one time I got <laughs> hot and heavy to Shrek, 
it's not. Honestly, who hasn't? Yeah, like it's Shrek. Like because I. Yes. And like it's about like you know fuck landlords, so it's like got me like invigorated, and I was like, yeah, like fuck landlords. We don't need them. (laughs) So you know, then you dive in and you do do what you gotta do. Yeah, plus Lord Farquaad is like a hottie. <laughs> yeah, how could you yeah. not get like, when I see Lord Farquaad, I get I get going. All bets are off. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Lord Farquaad could definitely steal your man. Easy. Easy. Okay, so like I I guess I have two movies. Um one being the Little Hours. You remember that movie with um like Allison Bree and like I've seen it. Different, yeah. They the all play the. Oh yeah. They all yeah, play the nuns. Like, dirty nuns. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like the movie was fine, but I guess like it was very awkward how we started hooking up. So like that was a bit like you know whatever. And then the worst movie that I watched while hooking up with someone was Men in Black Two. We had both decided that we had watched Men in Black, and it was uh, a beautiful movie that we had to watch the second one. <laughs> Um, and for some reason, it just got us hot and heavy, you know, just seeing those aliens, like, oh, oh, oh. and then Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I'm, I'm in a very similar boat. Um, the worst and simultaneously best movie I've hooked up to is Rush Hour 2. Yeah. Similar vibes, you know, like, very similar dynamic. Also, like, hooking up to Chris. Is his name Chris Tucker? Yeah, it's Chris Tucker. Um, trying to speak... Cantonese on screen, you know. <laughs> oh, the hottest part of that movie. <laughs> really does it, yeah. So I guess just buddy cop dynamics are kind of hot. That's the only thing I've learned. Shall we? So yeah, comfort TV. Nice. Let's talk about it. Let's let's unpack that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, so I guess, like, I feel like it's such, you know, everyone has their own comfort TV, but, like, no two people's, like, definition of comfort TV is the same. So, like, for you, like, what makes certain media comforting, you know, or what sort of elements do you look for or especially enjoy in a comfort television show? escapism uh i would say like for me like if i were to give examples of the primary comfort tv shows that i watch i feel like they're all period pieces so i think a big Ooh. part of that reason why yeah i know it's weird i'm sure okay, a lot of Kira people really not feel that <laughs> um, I, I love Kira knightley um no like the crown and stuff oh my god amazing but uh oh i see i see uh no but um like i feel like the reason why i like watching those kinds of television shows it's like a twofold reason is first that i feel like i'm in that reality which is like first like glamorous for its own like in like different ways because obviously you're not yeah. like here today and what you feel is a mundane like you know reality you're in like a cooler like sexier age of past or something and then second it's kind of just like you're escaping more and more from your own problems going to something like that no i i feel that i think my ideal like era that I'll escape to is just like early 2000s because it's so you know that's like when we came of age it's just so nostalgic but that's why I like Gilmore Girls is my go-to right now because you have not only the nostalgia factor but also it's just their world building I don't know it's so good and like so enveloping and you are in their world it's and 
yeah, I don't know. It's nice. And they just have like really nice design. And it's like, you really feel like you're there and not in the real world where the real world is shitty. I sort of disagree from both of you. Like, I mean, I think there's like a big spectrum of comfort TV. Like it it kind of depends on like what mood I'm in. But like when I, when I think of that word, I think of just stuff that like I always know will be a hit and that I don't have to pay Mm -hmm. attention to. Like, cause like, I don't know, like comfort television to me is like, sometimes I watch SVU. Like I know fuck cops. I get it. (laughs) But it's just something that I like, it's predictable. I know it's going to happen. Like, you know, like there's a whole setup to the episode that it like makes so much sense to me that like, I don't have to pay attention. I can like play on my phone. I can like talk to somebody on like somebody else while it's happening. And, like, same with, like, It's Always Sunny and New Girl. They're just, like, things that I've seen so much that I'm familiar with that I'm just, like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll just put it on because I know I, I will enjoy it regardless of, like, what happens. Yeah, um, definitely. I I also, when I go into, like, watching something for comfort, I um I like to watch something that has a really, like, tight, like, template or structure, like, every single episode. Like, Phineas and Ferb, for example, is something that I really gravitate <laughs> towards right now. Because I know that Dr. Schmertz, he's not going to get, you know, he's not going to, his plan's going to be foiled. Perry's going to come up on top, and he's going to be a thought of us in the end. And I know that Candace is never going to, you know, get to actually tell on Phineas and Ferb. So it's pretty nice. Also, great music involved. And it's a cartoon, and, like, it's just so far from reality, and I feel like I, I really enjoy that. But also, like, there's a nostalgic yeah. um, factor in that because I watched that, like, growing up. I would say I gravitate towards more, like, comedies or something that's just, like, not yeah. deep at all. Or something that's realistic to the point where it's, like, like, Gilmore Girls, I feel like their problems are more sizable to our own. Mm-hmm. And they, like, yeah. go pretty quickly or it's just something that seems realistic, so... I guess, do you guys think that, like, rewatchability is, like, a major mm. factor for it as well? Like, something that you've seen before? Like, mm-hmm. is that we tend to gravitate toward? Yes. Oh, I yeah. I think that ties into, like, knowing what to expect, too. Right. Like, I know that no matter what happens, like, they're all going to be fine. So, like, mm-hmm. it's cool. So, I think, like, there's so much content and I'm always like, oh, I should watch this. Like, you know, those shows that everyone talks about and you're just like, I never did that. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's so hard to, like, commit yourself to something and, like, there's probably like four or five seasons of it, and you just have Game to. Game like, of Thrones. I'm like, no. I did watch Game of Thrones. Me. I'm gonna be honest, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I think recently though, just like the past like year or so, I like I haven't really been watching new TV just because I mm-hmm. I don't want to. Like, I don't have the energy to like put it on, follow a storyline, and like be yeah, and like learn new things and uh-huh. learn like meet new characters. I'm just like, oh, I just want to watch something that. I, can't, I don't have to think because I, I don't want to mm-hmm. think. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's there's like this irrational like fear or it's like kind of like anxiety around watching something new in that sense. So oh, I yeah. feel like a majority of things I find comforting are things I've already watched because, yeah, like I know it's going to happen in the end. I'm familiar with the characters. But it, it's weird to think about because watching TV is not something that should be like really anxiety inducing. But at the right. same time, it's like oh no what's gonna happen like uh um so like it kind of sounds like a lot of the tv we watch isn't necessarily like good tv like do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like you know Mm -hmm. Emmy winning whatever like do we think 
Comfort TV is, like, more in the vein of being, like, silly or... I mean, it could also be bad TV because bad TV is sometimes the best TV. I I disagree, like, completely with that point because I feel like a lot of my comfort TV tends to be, like, more prestige television that I'll set off time for because it's, like, kind of like your own event that you're doing this for. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm, like stressed out about an entire week like at like like you know sunday night i can be like oh my god i'm gonna watch two hours of the sopranos or something you know (laughs) and once you've gone through that series you become so familiar with the pros of it you become so familiar with the storyline of it that it becomes comforting regardless of the type Mm. of content that's being given yeah you know and again there's also escapism just in the era also just to like touch back to what other max um, said, like, the anxiety of choosing a, a TV show. Like, it takes mm-hmm. me so long to browse Netflix and I eventually just end up watching a, a show that I've already watched. Yeah. And I think this anxiety can... It might even come from, like, just wanting to know the outcome of our own lives and having that security. Yeah, I think that has to... Do, I wonder if it's, like, commitment issues, too. Like, we don't want to, like, you know, get invested in something Absolute, that's not going to no, be satisfying. I, I totally agree with that because yeah, the number of times I've started a show and been, like, no right it just it just doesn't gel yeah it's such a risk and it's like yeah okay I watched like seven episodes of this and I'm never getting this time back so right time to put on like I'm gonna go watch Danny DeVito fuck around in Philadelphia like I'm (laughs) sorry like I can't but isn't it the it isn't um isn't the fact that you've started watching like how do you develop comfort tv in the first place though yeah you've watched new television isn't it the kind of the same thing right like yeah. Like, what makes you say yeah. that? Like, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I think it's an interesting question that they're all or... I think comfort TV, at least my own, what I watch that's comforting to me, it's like I watched it in a really good place mm-hmm. prior to this. Or, like, it reminds me of an era where I felt really good or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, I just... Stable times. And it takes mm-hmm. me back to those stable times. I feel like there are different kinds of comfort TV. So, like, we've been talking about It's Always Sunny... That makes you feel better about your own life because their life is mm-hmm. so shit. They're so terrible. Um, <laughs> but then there are also shows that you watch where you can live vicariously through yeah. the main characters. Um, and like that's, that's what you want your life to be like. Right. Um, and I feel like when I'm watching comfort TV, they're like different moods. Sometimes I'm not even always in the mood to watch. It's always sunny. Like I'd rather watch. No, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because then at some point it's just like I'm stressed. Like I'm worried <laughs> for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But then like, okay, in terms of like bad TV, I think it's not necessarily bad, it's just accessible. Like I don't wanna have to think too hard. I yeah. like just lay it all out for me. Tell me what's right. going on. Yeah. yeah. I don't wanna have to read between the lines or like have to watch it too Literary closely, you know. Analysis. Like I've tried watching like Succession before just in me my downtime. Too. And it's just it's a good show, but I have to you have to pay attention to everything because there's so much happening. Yeah. And I yeah. I can't do that. I need it to be like you know, three jokes every five minutes, like, and then I'm good. <laughs> I will yeah. say, though, however, yeah. that if you watch a show like that, like, Succession is a show that I rewatch now because I find it so comforting because I paid attention the first time and it was so satisfying that if you keep watching... And again, too, like, I, like I, I'll bring back the same point. Like, how... Like, com- you're saying, like, comfort... Like, Emily, example, you watch Gilmore Girls as a comfort TV show, right? Like... Sure. <laughs> um, like, like, when you started watching it, it's a complicated show, right? Like, you don't know about the relationships yeah. with other people, this and that. So what drew you to that in the first place? And then how did it evolve into comfort TV? Well, I mean, this is my second time watching it, actually. I watched it first in, like, middle school. So I have, like, 
a vague awareness of like what's happening, but I guess what keeps me watching is just like the vibe. It's just mm-hmm. so warm and the dialogue and the characters I get attached to. And it's like, I want Lorelai to be my friend, you know? And so I think it's just a matter of yeah. emotional investment as opposed to like investment in the story itself. I don't know. Also, I feel like <clears throat> a lot of the comfort TV, like, I mean, I let's think about like Gossip Girl or Gilmore Girls and like that general vein. Like we watched that when we were little and like that's what we thought like life was going to be, like mm-hmm. adulthood, you know, like this is what we thought, like love and sex and whatever. And it's just funny to see it now and to be like smarter and more like, you know. And you like have, relate to different aspects of yeah, it too exactly. now. And that's like, and, oh, I can, I, I do see myself in these characters yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And you, and you see how your like connection with the TV show has changed. Absolutely. Um, which I think, I don't know if you can gather that from um some you know highbrow type tv mm-hmm. but i have a question um i think there's something that we've we haven't really talked about and that's what about if you are inebriated how does that change comfort tv because i feel like it you know it's different i feel like it- when I'm not sober, I want to have to think even less. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely looking for something that's just like very light. Like Bob's Burgers is one of my Bob's favorites. Bob's Burgers is great. Adventure time. But I think I also just want like pretty visuals. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to laugh. When you're high. And I just want to like laugh and like be with my friends and have everyone else engaged as well. Mm-hmm. So like, you know. Probably something like I feel like I watch Eric Andre a lot with people just because it's like so bizarre and like it's so outrageous that it it, it works. It, it hits. Yeah, I feel like I couldn't watch that alone in that state because I'd just be like, this isn't <laughs> like, normal, this right? Is but weird. like when you're with other people, you can like have them validate, be like, yes, this is weird. This is funny. Yeah, this is funny. <laughs> so true. That's so yeah. true. It's nice to have somebody laugh at the same things you're laughing at. Yes, There's just, like, something comforting about, like, them agreeing with you on, like, what you think. What about movies, guys? Like, um, how about the movies? Mo- yeah, how about the movies? <laughs> how about the movies? <laughs> Which ones do you think you seek out for comfort? Like, what are we thinking about? I feel like something you can make fun of. The first thing that came to mm. my mind was mm-hmm. Twilight. Like the whole Twilight yes. saga. No, totally. Oh my god, I'd love to watch the stupid Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore flicks. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so bizarre, but like, there's there's like yeah. a blended. Um, it's so stupid. They go to Africa. It's a, it's one of those um, destination movies, yeah. and I think destination movies is a really big thing for comfort movies, Ooh, like in general. Yeah. Whenever they're like going to movies one place, also. yeah, it's like, oh, like this is so cute. Like forgetting I'm going Sarah on this Marshall too. too. Forgetting Sarah mm-hmm. Marshall. Yeah. I I, I just wrote like rom coms. Like I don't know. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. rom coms are so. 
predictable and they're and you know they have like a cute little payoff at the end Mm -hmm. I wrote anything with Hugh Grant oh my god Hugh Grant is in this episode like multiple times wow that's pretty sick (laughs) but yeah just like um Notting Hill is like oh it's so good and like when Harry Met Mm -hmm. Sally is a good one just like oh my god just like stuff that makes me feel like Bridget Jones Diary 90s rom-coms had something going on probably Hugh Grant but also they there was something else going on that made them all hit hit different yeah I think that with movies I feel like because it is more of a time investment I want to yeah get something more out of it so mm-hmm. I might point. seek out something with like a little higher quality yeah but definitely the comfort factor has to be there and I watched Moonstruck recently and I thought it was Ooh. like the perfect blend of just like wait what movie Moonstruck Is that Cher? with Cher and Nick Cage yeah yeah and it's this perfect blend of like just weird like outrageous. familiar <laughs> yeah a super outrageous super but outrageous. it's also like the family is just like I feel like I know them it's so nice and it's beautiful too Mm -hmm. and it's New York and it's the 80s and everyone it's just great I just love it what about like music because like when we were like thinking about this like I had a hard time like deciding what comfort music is just because one music is shorter so like I I think Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of music is comforting like inherently but I was thinking about like like I feel like a lot of my comfort music is actually kind of sad so I don't I don't really know what that means but I think it's just like music that maybe I'm nostalgic for that reminds me similar with tv and film that we've talked about like some it reminds me of a time that was like lovely and I have good memories with um but I I will say that I think anytime I need to chill out like listen to Whitney and like you're fine like, that's mm-hmm. just, like, immediate serotonin that you don't have to think about the lyrics or anything. It's just, like, sunshine. <laughs> that's really real. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I feel like, for me, it's just something that I know so well. It, it, yeah. yeah. It's just, like, nostalgia factor. Like, I listened to The Killers, like, a lot in middle school. No way. And I, I know. <laughs> Wait, I, know. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Everyone's jaws are on the floor right now. I can't see this, too. Um, and, and still, I know most of the words to like their earlier albums by heart and so I can listen to it and just be like oh you again it's good to good to see you you know so I've been thinking you've been been, thinking I've I've really been thinking and you know Netflix is a very confounding (laughs) platform Mm -hmm. and you know just by the amount of content that they have it, it feels like they're making like a concerted effort to have to make television that's easy to watch and like I think especially when shit came out during early quarantine like fucking like love is blind and the circle and tiger king tiger king and yeah Yeah. like all that bullshit came out like right when quarantine happened and it's like I know what you guys need shitty television yeah so Mm -hmm. do, do you guys think that like this is happening I don't know I feel like it's partially like people need stuff to watch but also people just needed stuff to talk about with other people yeah, people needed to feel really connected true. to other people and so oh yeah i mean i saw i watched some of those shows but i mostly just saw them being talked about on social media so yeah. i feel like it's more just fodder for connection and stuff yeah. fodder, <laughs> fodder. <laughs> yeah i think it was just 
what I think it seems to be that kind of media blew up maybe because um, it was more comforting. But yeah, like it gave you something to talk about that was so outlandish and like easy to process in general. I think I think a bunch of things were being made just because of the timing, but those ones really stood out because of their qualities. I just think Netflix is making a lot of content that's garbage because people always like garbage reality TV. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. like, that's a concept. No, I agree. Like, but I mean, they, they're just making a ton of content to like appeal to like what has become such a wide and diverse consumer base yeah. that they have like yes. almost no control over now. So they have to make content really of all different kinds. Like, they make Oscar movies now too, right? right. Like, think I, about yeah. that. We, I think literally about tweeted. Spend, uh, I literally mm-hmm. tweeted a couple of weeks ago. I was like, the spectrum of content from like Roma to the kissing yes. booth on Netflix is like crazy. <laughs> They're like a huge studio. They just They're have like, so much money, dude. They yeah, just yeah. Have so directors much money. and stuff. They like do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. Wait, but I also think it's really interesting, like what Emily was saying, because remember Bird Box? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that movie was <laughs> like. My friends liked it. What? Okay. <laughs> I know. I bet. They're not your friends. Fights. You need new friends. Yeah, yeah those are not school. your friends. They they don't. That's not right. But like, <laughs> think about how like Bird Box and Bandersnatch, the like Black Mirror oh. thing. Those two came out, and it was all over social media. Mm-hmm. And remember, there was like fucking bots yep. tweeting about yep. it. Like they. That was weird. Like they do. I feel like there is a way that they they do make shitty movies and television in order to get a reaction out of social media. Yeah, like in, the, in order to, like, get people to talk about it sure. and to get, to make people feel left out. So they're like, oh, yeah. now I need a Netflix now subscription I so it. I can watch yeah. it and see what they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. I really do think that Oh yeah. bad TV is, like, such an easy way to get clout. It's, like, mm-hmm. so easy. Because it's just, like, meme culture and yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Do you think the reason yeah. why it's become so popular on social media is because of that or because Netflix is so popular that anything it puts out is just going to be social media generated? Because it, it, the reality of it, oh. of the fact that they make so much content, is that some of it will just stick out because it's going to stick out. Right. I feel like there's just, like, so much overlap between people with a Twitter account and people with a Netflix account, mm-hmm. you know, like... <laughs> Chances are, and you know, it's about how much Netflix like advertises it and to how you, your algorithm too. works in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And if you're a popular Twitter account, most likely you probably have the money to have a Netflix subscription. And so I think it goes hand to hand. Also, I just feel like anything that Netflix posts and like and they upload newly will be on the front well, page and everyone will be like, okay. I don't know. I also think like with Bird Box, it was like Sandra Bullock, which mm-hmm. is like. Such a weird because she's like, Kelly. isn't she like a like an Oscar nominated actress? She's Oscar winner. Like, mm-hmm. she's Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. And she just like probably got that fat check in the mail and was like, all right, like I'm gonna do this bullshit movie. <laughs> so like, I think they know, like they they just like know how to market and like what. Like, especially for Black Mirror, too, it was like, ooh, it's a it's a choose-your-own-adventure move or whatever was it, TV episode. And it was, like, terrible and, like, what, what were you to say next? The allure of movies <laughs> like Bird Box is, is that the plot is, like, something that everyone – I don't know. Maybe I'm generalizing, but it's something that at least I can speak for myself. I would be curious about, like, what if aliens came down and you couldn't see them? And then, like, everyone knows it's a, it's a stupid idea, but – like 
you endorse it and you watch the movie anyway because you're like, I want to know what happened. I want to mm-hmm. know. And, mm-hmm. and I want to be a part of the discourse. Like, it's, a, it's so true. It's, it's all just FOMO. That's all it is. It is. <laughs> Streaming culture allows that, though. Like, if we had to pay to rent, like, each thing individually, none of this would happen because no one wants to take that risk, like we said earlier. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, this is my last episode. Ah, how crazy is that? Three whole years on Arts Interrupted, and all I get is a Zoom call? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, Arts Interrupted has been the best thing I've done in college by far. I met um, some of my bestest friends, (laughs) and I'm so excited for what's to come. Um, Each episode, I feel like we get better and better. And each year, Arts Interrupted just gets better and better. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's cozy episode of Arts Interrupted. We hope that this brought you comfort during such unprecedented times. This season was a wild ride, but we are so glad that we were able to pull it off safely. We can't wait to come back in January and make some more socially distanced, badass content for y'all. As per usual, this episode has been brought to you by our executive producer, Sam Small, senior editors, Emily Ull, and me, Max Rosenzweig, our content creators, Avon Kutya and Max Schauble, audio producers Ben Schreier, Sam DuBose, and Will Peterson. And finally, our audio engineer, Spencer Harris. Thanks for getting warm and comfy with us. Yeah.